We have a cold one. <laughs> She's been on the cold side. <laughs> She's going to warm them hands up. <laughs> Good morning. Um, turn your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a... Uh, I like this weather. Some people don't like the cold. Some people, I love it. It's like sitting in a tree stand yesterday. I was doing all right. <laughs> it's cold. So, First Corinthians chapter 13, we'll look at one verse there, verse 13. A very, very simple verse, very familiar verse to you. It says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Faith, hope, and charity. It's amazing how I many people have made up names for this, the theological virtues, the three divine sisters, the three graces, <clears throat> all different things they come up with. I don't really know about all that, but I know that we understand that charity is important and it's the greatest. And we talk a lot about faith, but in your life, do you put hope up there with those two? Is it kind of like charity, faith, well, hope will get in there somewhere. It, it feels like maybe it's the middle child there is, is kind of not looked at as important as the others. But I believe they're here together, all together, because they're essential. They're essential that all three are part of your life. Faith, hope, and charity. All three need to be there. And what I'd like to talk about today is hope. Hope. Today, um, I don't know if we're going to get out really early or really late. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> I, as I went through this lesson, I kept cutting things and then I kept adding things. And I don't know where it landed. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. So, our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for those that have gathered we ask you to continue to be with those that aren't able to be with us in person, Lord, whether it's hurting or whatever's going on. <clears throat> we ask you to give me the words to speak, Lord, and we understand from your scriptures that more two and more are gathered, you'll be there also, Lord. We, we look forward to your presence every Sunday. We thank you. We ask you to give us ears to hear, Lord, and everything that we say today should be, glorif be only glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> hope. As I've studied more for the sermons, I've always taught kids and stuff, so, you know, I've always studied, but it's a little different when you're up here. It's a little different. And what I've learned is we don't know what words mean anymore. We have abused our language so much. And so the first thing I do when I study a, a particular passage or a subject is I have to go define the words. What do the words really mean? What are they, the way we use them and the way we mean them. So, so as we talk about hope, where I want to start is just what is hope? What is the definition of hope? And, and you look at through different sources. You look at the Greek words. You look at the different things. You, you kind of do this research and you bring it all together. And I appreciate how Roy and the kids have taught him how to use the Strong's Concordance. And he's been emphasizing this too in class. I haven't been in there, but I know as he was teaching them and some people have never done You need to look up the words. You need to, because the word hope, the way it's used today is not the way the Bible uses the word. There's a, there's a distinction there. 
In the Webster's 1828, it says, A desire accompanied by expectation. A desire accompanied by expectation. A belief in fulfillment. Expectation of fulfillment is the word hope. The second definition, or B, is someone or something on which our hopes are centered. And, you know, throughout the Bible, hope occurs like 53 times. And and in most every case, it's something desired or something expected that's positive or or something pleasurable or something good. Sometimes it says you have no hope. So those would be the negative side. But most of the time, it's used in a positive way. And as I looked at all these definitions and different things, I kind of come up with my own definition. And I'm not... You know, because at the end of the day, you read all this and you're trying to put it together. And I always need to settle in on what it means to me. And my definition, if you, you know, Justin's very poor dictionary, um, is a confident expectation and desire in someone for something good in the future. It's a confident expectation. And the reason why I, I start out with you got to know what ner- words mean is. Today, when the word hope is used, most of the time, it's more like a wish. It's more like a, an uncertain thing. It's, a, it's mostly uncertain. It's like, well, I, I hope so. You know, it's like, a, it's like uncertain. The, the word hope in the Bible, when you read it, it's not an uncertainty. It's not a wish. It's a certainty. There's more certainty in the word. It's a confident expectation. Confident expectation. You, 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 when you hope something in the Bible, when the Bible uses the word hope, it's not talking about maybe. It's not saying that. It's saying confidently that it will. And even in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, the very, you know, Dan read it this morning in, in, uh, in Sunday school where it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, what if hope was just a wish? What does that make faith? And in, in the own definition of faith, it uses hope in that definition. What would, faith, what would hope be if it was just simply an uncertain wish? Something that you weren't sure. It, it would make faith weak. It would make faith of something that isn't worth anything. So the biblical way of using the word hope is confident expectation in someone to do something good in the future. So... Now, with me, I've always had a little trouble def- defining the difference between faith and hope. Because faith and hope, they kind of run together. And, and, and so as I was trying to, to look at that, I read after several people, and, and one person wrote this, and I didn't write down who it was. I won't cite the source, but it said, Faith is for now, hope is for tomorrow, and love is for, or charity is all for all times. Okay. It says, another person said that hope is like faith in the future tense. So, when you think about that, hope expects something. Hope is looking out. Where faith inspects. Faith looks at it. Um, hope leaps out to what will be. Where faith holds on to what is. Hope inspires. Where faith steadies. Hope anticipates what's going to happen. Where faith deliberates. And, and then... the. Of course, Justin goes back to the really simple Justin examples. It's like faith is like knowing your dad's going to come home and you know he's going to come. And hope is like looking out the window waiting on him to come. Knowing and anticipating his coming. Knowing that he's coming. 
So hope, is it important? Do we need hope in our faith, in our life, our, our Christian walk? Do we need hope? Is hope something that we need? When you look at data, so I, you know, I like data. I talked about last time. In this service today, this hour-long service, six people in the greatest country in the world. The United States is the greatest country in the world. I believe that with all my heart. But six people commit suicide just during this hour in this state, in the United States. Ninety people will attempt suicide. Ninety people across the United States will attempt suicide just during the service. Uh, suicide is now the number two cause of death for 18 to 34-year-olds. If you have an 18 to 34-year-old, the second most common death type is suicide. Do we need hope? Do we need hope? It's, it's the ninth leading cause of death for, for everyone, suicide. It's in the top ten now. It was always not even close to the top ten, and it is rising. They expect at current rates, the way they're going, it's going to be in the top five for all generations. Hope. Hope. What is hope for? Do we need it? Turn with me to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. You know, life is full of peaks and valleys. There are times where you're high and, and you things are going great and things are wonderful and you've got everything going your way, but also life is full of very, very low valleys. There's times where you could be high and things are going good and there's t- times where you are, uh, are so low. You ever been so low that you felt like a robot with no batteries, like dead batteries, where all you could do is just sit there? And you want to move, you want to do something, but you can't. You just can't. You're like a robot with dead batteries. David, in Psalm 42, I, I think is in that, in that situation. In verse 42, uh, cha- excuse me, Psalm 40, chapter 42, and verse 1, it says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God. Thirsteth for God. I can't talk with braces. I've learned that. I can't wait to get these off. But another three weeks, I'm gonna get these off, and I hopefully I can talk again. Words like thirsteth don't come out of my face anymore. <laughs> so, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat, day and night, while they continually say unto me. Where is thy God? People are attacking David, saying, where's your God? Where's your God? And, and he's struggling here. And he, Does your heart panteth for God? Do you thirst for God? That's hope. When you're thirsting for something, you're hope. that's hope. When you're thirsting for God, that's hope. He's, he's losing his hope. He's struggling with this. And, and drop down to verse 5. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. Roy, who's he asking that question to? 
Why art thou cast down on my soul? Who's he talking to? His self. You ever talk to yourself, Roy? Anybody in here ever talk to yourself? You ever, what are you doing? I've talked to myself more lately. In my ride home from work, in my ride, you know, I, 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 live, I work at American Airlines, and it's, it's a 35, 40-minute commute. It used to be a 30-minute commute. Now it's an hour-and-a-half commute because all the stoplights they put in. But they, I talk to myself a lot. And I, I found that it isn't, talking to yourself isn't the problem. The problem is, do I listen to myself? Do you listen to yourself when you talk to yourself? Because <laughs> David is, is uh, talking to himself. He's in a low spot. He's saying, why art thou cast down on my soul? Look at, drop down to verse 11. He repeats it. Why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him. And it continues, who, art thou, who is the health of my countenance and my God? David is struggling with hope and he's talking to himself saying, look to God, look to God. Put your hope in him. And he's struggling in that. And when you're down in those valleys, that's what you're doing. You're struggling to find hope. You're struggling for that. It kicked on. So we're going to get really hot in here soon. <laughs> Do you need hope? Is hope something we need? We've defined it as a confident expectation in someone for something good. We've determined we need it. And we need it because it's like, you remember I said, you ever been like a, ba- a robot with dead batteries? You know what hope is? It's the battery charger. It's what puts new batteries in or gets the charger going. It's like the fuel for the engine. It gets you going. The reason why you could take another step and then another is because of hope. Hope gets us going. Faith just helps us. And we're given a measure of faith each day uh, as a scripture. Love, we understand, is how we treat everyone and, and how we honor the commandments. But hope is what gets you going to the next day and the next day and the next day. And we need hope in this country. We need hope in our church. So how do we get it? How do we get hope? Do you stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night? You just get it? No. Hope, it's a pathway to hope. That's what I've learned in the scriptures. It's a pathway. And if you look at Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, there's two pathways for that matter that's talked about in the scriptures to get hope. And I, as we think about these pathways, uh, Brother Gary was talking this morning and he kind of hit on what I was getting ready to say. Is that there's two paths. I want to get over here where it's cooler. <laughs> there's two pathways. And the, and the one pathway, when I was in college, um, I had a friend named Michael. And Michael was the guy. And so we're going through uh, classes like you know, engineering classes. So we're in differential equations. And differential equations, if you've never taken that class, I don't recommend it. So it is a tough class. And, but he was, had a different mind than me. He would read the top, and you know how it is in any math book, right? You have the section where it talks about the theory, and then it gives you a couple examples, and then you have problems to do, right? Well, he could just read the top, and he could read the theory, and then he could do, you know, if he had 15 problems to do, he could do all 15 just off the top. He could learn it by the theory. He could just read the book and figure it out and do it. That's not Justin, okay? So I would read it and go, don't know what this is talking about. But it gives me some step-by-step, and I'm just going to follow the steps, 
and I'm going to see if I can work this out. So I start doing my, my problems, 1 through 15. I get to 13. I'm like, finally, I figured it out. By problem 13, I've got it figured out. But now I've got to go back and do 1 through 12 because I did them all wrong. And so I get to do those twice. And then I get finally to the 15 and I get my homework done. So that's the way the scripture talks about Romans 15 is the theory way. There's a way in the theory on how to get hope. And then there's the Romans chapter 5 way, which is the way I unfortunately have to take every time, which is the experience way. So Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. You know, this book is full of good stuff. It's all written for our learning. That we, continue in the verse, that we through patience, there's a word I struggle with. <laughs> patience are for doctors, I used to say. So now you know why I struggle with this method. So, so let me start over. Uh, for whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. See, the journey to hope, there's two paths is either to read this book and learn these things and read about how Joseph did, learn about what Abraham did, and you can say, oh, all that worked out good. And, and oh, man, I, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, you can say, and by theory, you can look at it and go, I have hope. So next time you have a, a trial come, next time you have a situation come, you've got hope because what the Scriptures say. Well, that's not the way I've gotten my hope. I've gotten some of it this way. I'm not saying it's either one or the other, but I'm saying Romans chapter 5 is more like Justin gets his hope. And, and I, I, if you get yours through Romans chapter 15, if you can perfectly do it, I am jealous of you. <laughs> because you don't need the trials that I need. So in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hope. One thing I, I, I just clicked in my head. You don't rejoice. You know, if you have a trouble with joy, it's because you don't have hope. Hope and joy are tied, rejoicing, joy are tied together always. They're always tied together in the scriptures. If you're struggling with joy, see, happiness can come from faith, because faith is day by day by day. But joy comes through hope, by hoping what's for tomorrow and hoping what's out there. And you can have joy knowing that whatever you're going through right now is just so he can make you better. He can just make you better. He's doing something in you. Verse 3, and not only so, but you glory in tribulations. Jeremiah, do you glory in tribulations? You, are you... <laughs> It's a struggle, isn't it? We glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulations worketh patience. There's that word again. Patience. And patience experience, and experience hope. Hope. See, there's a journey. To get hope, it's a journey. It's a Christian journey. It's either a journey through the Scriptures, or it's both. Both a journey through the Scriptures, and it's a journey through life. And then as you go through things, a hope that maketh not ashamed, verse 5 says. And I, I can't help but think of Joseph. And let's turn to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. And you look at Joseph. And you, and you guys know the story of Joseph. 
But at a high level, what happens with Joseph? He, he's got 11 brothers that sell him and throw him in a pit first, right? And then they got feeling bad about that, and then they sold him to Potiphar, and he became a slave. And as he becomes a slave, he, he works his way up, and he becomes in Potiphar's house. And then she says things about him and, and accuses him of something. And he ends up in prison. And then he, all these things happen to Joseph, just one after another. It all started because of the evil acts of his brother, right? They, they took his coat of many colors, put blood on it, and told his dad he was dead. And Joseph just keeps going. He takes another step and another step. He just keeps going. And he works through until the king needs a dream interpreted. And he interprets a dream that there's going to be a fam- uh, uh, some great years and the bad years. Famine is going to come. And if you don't store up in the bad years, in the good years, you don't store up in the good years, we're going to run out in the bad years. Things are going to get bad. And, and all these things happen. You know the story. That's a really high brief. And, and his brothers have to come back to get, you know, when things get bad, his brothers got to come back to get stuff for the family out of the storehouse. And Joseph kind of messes with them a little bit. And then eventually he reveals himself. And in verse uh, 20, in verse 20 of Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says something that's amazing. He said, and and this is when he's confronting his brothers, and his brothers are like, "Uh uh-oh, we're dead. (laughs) He's going to get us back. This is bad news. But what does Joseph say? But as for you, you thought it evil against me. What you did to me was evil. What you did, you had no right to do. It was evil. It was horrible. You shouldn't have done it. But God. The next words there. But God meant it unto good. God meant it unto good. To bring pass to this day to save much people alive. We glory in tribulations that brings patience, gets experience, which gets hope. You know what's going on there with Joseph? He's got a good interpreter. You know, we had a, a, a person up here, what, month, a couple, six months ago, that would speak in Spanish and then someone would interpret. And he'd speak in Spanish. What if you have a bad interpreter? Would you know what they said? You have to have a good interpreter. And I think hope is our interpreter. Hope is our interpreter. A lot of people don't have good interpreters anymore. And that's why they're suffering the way they are. And Joseph understood that. He interpreted the situation right. He wasn't, he didn't blame his brothers. See, when people do you wrong, are you still worried about them? Oh, my neighbor did this, or oh, so-and-so did this. You know, our church, we had people do some evil things against this church. Are you still worried about the people that did it? Are you looking to God, looking for the interpretation, say, what are you doing with us? What is it you want us to learn? What is it? We're going to, you know, Joseph had a good interpreter. He interpreted not what the people did, but what God was doing. What was God doing here? People all through your life, the trials that come... We have to be a better interpreter of the things that come in our lives. When God sends you a trial, when God sends something that really hurts or is upsetting or hard, or when somebody pulls out in front of you, whatever, stop focusing on the person doing it or the action and turn your face towards God and say, what are you doing for me? Because His promises and His scriptures say that He's started a good work in His name. We'll perform it. Hope tells you, and it interprets things for you. Hope is the ability to interpret that situation to go, God is doing something good here. I remember sixth grade. 
Sixth grade was a terrible year for me, sort of. <laughs> a tribulation came. And sixth grade, I was in sixth grade, 12 years old. Well, I loved riding my three-wheeler. There was three things in life I loved. At that time, I was a very shy kid. And anybody that knew me knew I wouldn't talk much. I wouldn't talk to people. I, I was very shy. And in sixth grade, those three things I loved. I loved playing soccer. I loved going to the lake and riding jet skis. And I loved riding my three-wheeler. And one day, I was out riding a three-wheeler. On the same trail, I rode a hundred times. And that day, I happened to hit the bump wrong. It was a little jump. Usually, I jump it. Usually, I'm going full board and jumping it, you know, you know, but this time I was kind of tired that day. We'd had a long day. We had company over, and I was kind of tired, and I was just going over that bump. And if you guys remember three-wheelers, they had like one little peg that you put your foot on, and I was relaxed, and my foot came off that peg on that bump. The tires right here rolled up over my leg, flipped over, broke my leg right here in two places. Three-wheeler kept rolling, and I had a helmet on. Thank goodness. I probably killed me, but it smashed the helmet on my face. As it hit me, a dislocated shoulder, scars everywhere. Still have scars from this. I had just been saved a couple years. It's like I was mad. I was mad. I, I almost, I would almost get sick going to school because I didn't want to see people. I, I, I was, <laughs> I was really shy. Um, and now here I am. I had a cast from right here, right, start right here, all the way down. My leg was like that for seven seven months. I had that cast. They changed it out, boy, it stunk bad <laughs> when they did. And then I had a cast another three months or two months from down here. Then I had a brace. One year of my life gone. Everything I loved to do gone. You ever sit on a pontoon in a hot summer day? while everybody else is swimming and you're sitting there with a cast on your leg? <laughs> you ever watched everybody ride the jet ski, watch your soccer team play? Three-wheeler got sold. <laughs> or, I don't know, burnt. I don't know what happened to it, really. <laughs> and you say, why are you talking about this, Justin? Because out of every bad thing, there's good things. And you couldn't convince me back then. You couldn't have convinced me at all. I was upset. But you know, when you have crutches and you can't get to class to class, they let you out five minutes early. <laughs> so when they let you out five minutes early, you know what they do? They ask somebody to carry your books for you. Now, I didn't say this before, but my best friend had moved away in, sixth, uh, in, in fifth grade. and in, I didn't even have a best friend anymore. And so I get to leave five minutes class early every class. So I could go get my locker and get to the next class before the whole crowd. Because you know how kind they are in sixth grade. And in that school, it was seventh and eighth grade, too. And the eighth graders probably beat me up and, and laugh at me, pull on my toes. But they were sticking out of my cast. <laughs> but anyway, out of that year, I got two new best friends. Because they would raise their hand, I'll take him. Out of that year, I learned I don't need to be scared of people. Why am I scared of people? You know, I stand here today. The only reason I'm able to talk to you confidently is because of my sixth grade. See, I glory in the tribulations. Now that I look back, see, I had to learn it the Romans 5 way. I had to go through a tribulation, 
And then I had to have patience about it. There's nothing that will teach you patience like sitting on a pontoon boat when everybody else is in the water and you can't do nothing else but sit there and watch everybody and sweat. The only thing I could do successfully was sweat. That was it. Ask somebody to throw me a rag so I get it's a water. So, but it taught me something. It taught me to, I need to speak up. I need to stop being a fearful little kid and I need to get going. I think about, <laughs> think about, well, these, you know, these two boys and Daniel in the back. Your sixth grade was terrible. COVID. Everything you guys had in sixth grade got, got destroyed. COVID year, right? Destroyed your seventh, sixth grade year. Luke even had family issues. This, he's going to look back someday. He's going to know. Wow, that was loud. He's going to know that God did, God's doing something. God's doing something. Every single tear you cry is not wasted. Every single bruise, every single thing, every single thing that people do against you is for a purpose. And God has a purpose in it. He has a purpose. He doesn't waste your tears. He doesn't waste your, your, your pain. He doesn't waste your sorrow. He's teaching you something. And you learn that through hope. Hope is the peace. We got love. We got that with charity. We can understand that. We got faith and we stand on it every day. By faith we stand. But you got to understand that without hope, your life is going to be not good. Because you're going to be in those situations and you're not going to understand. And, and your experiences and everything you're going through is going to teach you to look to Christ. To look to Him. To see that there's a purpose. There's a purpose. I just skipped a, skipped a whole page of notes for you, Gary. <laughs> I was thinking of you when I did that. So who is our hope? Is the, the definition I used or I gave of mine is a confident, inspe- confident expectation in someone for something good. So who's the someone? Can't help but think of that song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Is your hope in him? You see, the chorus goes on, all other hope is sinking sand. So that means if if your hope, see, and, and that's the difference. Hope in sinking sand is the hope of the world. That's the wish that we're talking about. Hope in Christ is the solid rock. That's certainty. That's a hope. See, it's not even a hope if it's sinking sand. Every single thing that you go through in life, if you're, if you're depending on your paycheck to come from your employer, that's sinking sand. Everything we get is from God. You have to understand that you know, when it comes to, if you're, if you're thinking that your family is going to do this, or, or what, you know what family does? They let you down. And they can mess with you. Sometimes they don't. But that's sinking sand. Everything else is sinking sand. Only Christ. He's the only hope. Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope. If your hope is in Him, then it's certain. That's a certain hope. That's a confident expectation of that kind of hope. If your hope is in anything else, 
It's a wish. It's not hope. Psalm 39.7 says, And now, Lord, wait I for thee. Or, what, excuse me. Let me try that again. Psalm 39.7 says, And now, Lord, what I wait I for, my hope is in thee. Psalm 71.5 says, For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what the riches of glory of the mysteries among the Gentiles, which is in you, the hope Christ, the goal. I got to slow down. I can't talk. <laughs> which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hebrews 6, 9, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Is your soul anchored? See, as a Christian, all three are needed. Faith, Hope and charity. Hope is your anchor. It's what, you know, when you're being tossed around in the storm and, and, and things, what is your anchor? It's Christ. He is the anchor. It's sure and steadfast that it won't move. It, 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 it keeps you grounded, if you will. It keeps you looking forward. It keeps you looking at what's to come. Hebrews 6.11 and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. The full assurance of hope. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter First Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to our prayers. Isn't that precious? For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Is he listening for your prayer? Is he... Is, do your prayers, sometimes when you're in those deepest moments when you're that robot with a dead battery and you can't move, does he hear you? Yeah, he hears you. Does he see you? Yeah, he sees you. But look there. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you? If, he's, if ye be followers that you're good. Who is, who is it that's going to harm you? Are you still worried about... You know, Joseph, was he, was he worried about his brother still? He was worried about their life, and he actually saved their life through giving them what they needed to give them. But was he, was he still blaming them? He was looking to what God did. He saw that. Who is going to harm you? Who in this world is going to harm you? Is God over that? Is God over that? Can someone harm you outside the hand of God? I mean, in Romans, it was chapter 8. I don't know the exact chapter, the address of the verse, but neither height nor debt nor anything. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can harm you. There's nothing in this world out of his control. Every single thing in your life is, is a plan. Every single thing is happening along the way. No one can harm you. 
Verse 14. And this, this kind of parallels Romans chapter 5 here, you'll see. But if you suffer for righteousness, sake, happy are you. Once again, do you glory in tribulations? <laughs> but it says, but if you suffer for righteousness, sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of the terror that neither be troubled. As, as you go through these things, as you, as you face things, are we going to face things? There might be another one coming tomorrow. And then after that, there might be another one. And there's valleys and, and so forth. What are you going to hold on to? Hope is what you hold on to. It is your anchor. Hope is what it is. And it continues. Happier you as you go through these. But verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, we preach Christ through our faith. Our faith in things as we take a stand, as, as we talked about with Daniel a few weeks ago, where he took a stand, that's speaking, that, that's proclaiming Christ through your faith. We complain, proclaim, proclaim Christ through our charity, by loving people, and by just being loving. And, it, and you know who the child of God is, by, do they love, right? But you also preach Christ through your hope. Whenever you have this terrible thing happening, and I'm, Jeanette's not here, but I remember when Jeanette was going through so much, I remember she was literally the most, oh, it was just amazing how, how she had so much hope when she was going through what she was going through. She lost her husband, she was sick, and she just, well, God's good. She had so much hope. And it preached to that whole hospital room and to everyone there that this person's different. There's something different about this person. How do they have a hope through all this? Hope is essential. Hope is just as essential as faith and charity. Hope is a very essential part of your Christian life. And you need to be ready. When you have hope and others don't, and you need to be ready with meekness and fear to be able to talk about that hope. And say, even if you just have to come up with that song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. You're different when you have hope. You're different as a person. You're different in every way. Hope is that strength. It's that fuel. It's that battery charger. <laughs> Do we need hope? We need hope. Where do you get it? From the scriptures and from your experiences. And those experiences are for a purpose. And those purposes God has, he is going to do something in you. There's, you know, I went through my sixth grade probably so I could stand here today. You're like, how do you connect those two? You didn't know me. <laughs> there was no way I could have gotten in front of people. There's no way I'd be a manager in American Airlines. There's no way anything. I, I don't even know if I'd ever gotten married if I, would, if I wasn't for my sixth grade. And changing me. I was a mess. Sarah can attest. <laughs> she knew me. <laughs> Others knew me in here. I was almost rude because I was so shy and backward. But I glory in that tribulation now. That year that I thought was the worst year of my life was a game changer. But I didn't know it then because I didn't have hope. Because I hadn't been through enough things to learn it. Because I didn't get it through the theory. I get it through experience, and I didn't have enough experiences at the time to, to have gotten it. But I get it now, and I'm learning more through the theory. <laughs> now, thank goodness, than the experiences. That doesn't mean another one ain't coming. 
But I, at least I know now when the trials come to look to Christ and to say, what are you doing? What is it that you have? What are you teaching me? What are you teaching us as a church? What are you, you know, when, when these things come, what is it that you have for us? And I stopped focusing on, well, that jerk did so-and-so. God was just using that jerk. That's all it was. And I stopped focusing on that. And I started focusing on, what are you doing for me? What are you doing for me, to me, to conform me to the image of Christ? That's our hope. And I pray that that's a blessing to you to think about hope and to understand that it's very important in our lives. Hope is something, get in the book. Start reading. Read through what other people have gone through and how they've gotten through it through hope. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your scriptures, Lord. We thank you for hope.